What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. Uh, John chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 20, and we're going to go with what we're talking about today. So it says, Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, and who, was, who was from Beth, Beth, Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Now here's something before we even dive in. I, I want to give you some context. It's really interesting here that Greeks were seeking Jesus at this time. It's very popular, of course. The Jews were always looking to learn from Jesus because he was a Jew, but, but Jesus kind of changes the whole scope of the Old Testament, even though we believe the Old Testament is about Gentiles, but still Judaism was just with the Jews. But what was so incredible about Jesus is he crossed borders and crossed the lines where the Greeks were wanting to know about him. But it's really important when you study your Bible, anytime it mentions the Jews or the Greeks, the Jews historically, whenever they interact with Jesus in the Gospels, they're always wanting to see a sign. They want, to, they want Jesus to make a scene. Jesus, heal this person. Jesus, do that. Unless it's on Sabbath and they don't want him to do that at all. But they're always saying, Jesus, we want to see you perform miracles. What's interesting about the Greeks, the Greeks didn't care about that as much. What the Greeks wanted was for Jesus to make sense. They wanted, they, the Greeks were all about philosophy. They're all about uh, the, the culture of the day and understanding insights and wisdom. And so for the Greeks, they were saying, we just want to talk with Jesus. We're not asking Jesus to perform anything. We want to talk with him and make sure it makes sense. Well, I love Jesus knows that. In verse 23, he says, Jesus replied to them, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This did not make sense to the Greeks. It doesn't make sense to a lot of us, the Greeks in this time. And I believe us, we, this is so much of our culture. They believed in meritocracy. We talked a lot about this when we were studying First and Second Corinthians. But meritocracy is essentially, okay, if you want to get power, you need to go for it. If you want to be more powerful, if you want to get higher on the ladder, you need to push other people aside. You need to recognize you are the hardest worker and you deserve everything you get. So what's great about in the business world, meritocracy, only the better businesses win. In general, that's meritocracy is probably a good financial thing to do. Hey, if you're not making money in the market, that means you need to make a better product. But in the Christian life, this doesn't make sense, right? The, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. And so he tells the Greeks, oh, you, you Greek who want to accelerate, and this is how we're thinking with 2019, I just need to get better. I need to do more, and then I'll achieve all my dreams. He's saying, oh, you want to follow me? lose your life. Oh, you, you want power? Give it away. And it's something that completely shocks them. And my prayer is that I'm recognizing how we as Christians, because we're in the culture we live in today, are tempted to believe the same thing. The way to get power is to grab for it. The way to get influence is to demand that you have it. The way to make riches is to gather all of it together and save. But the word of God says those who are rich are the ones who give it away. Those who are powerful are the ones who seek to empower others. And this is point number one. And, and I want us to look at 
I want us to see how our culture has so influenced us, and I'm hoping the words of Jesus here will bring us back to the reality of how we're supposed to live our lives in the gospel. Point number one, while the world is obsessed with self-discovery, the word says you're blessed through self-denial. This is not a popular message. This is not something like, yes, I'm just so excited for 2019. I want to deny myself. Like that you don't see that on billboards, come to church, you'll deny yourself, right? That is not something that sells. Something that sells is come to church and we'll give you your best life now. But what's interesting in this passage, Jesus, a bunch of people just like us, we're coming to Jesus saying, I want to come to you, but I need to hear something good. And Jesus goes, okay, great. Lose your life for me. Serve me, follow me, pick up your cross. Now, I think uh, 2019 would bring us a lot of blessings as a church if we recognize the power of self-denial. I, was, I actually read, I, I like to, uh, I, I feel really good about myself when I read a book in a day. Anybody nerdy like that? So I read an entire book yesterday and I couldn't put it down. I was sick, but I'm not gonna lie, I was milking it. I told my wife, like, I can't be around the kids, you know? And so I just went up to my bedroom and read and it was glorious. But my wife's gonna make me pay for it later. But um, she's probably gonna be in bed all day today. But, but I was, was reading this book, it was really interesting. It talked about the culture that we currently live in and how self-denial is the last thing we want to hear. Can we agree? Even as Christians, we're kind of like, self-denial, really? Let, let's talk about hope. Let's talk about your passion and purpose and reason to live. But I, I don't know, this week, yesterday, when I was reading it, I was like, wow, I have been so influenced by the culture in a negative way, thinking that denying myself is a negative thing to do. Let me explain. Uh, so, I thought it was really interesting what the book kind of explained. And I thought it was really good. By the way, the book is called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers. And he talked about how our culture is so, uh, no longer are we serving the God of God or any gods. We are searching the God, we are serving the God of self. We will do anything that makes us better and we will use anything for that endeavor. And he talked about Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Okay, so he says with Al-Qaeda, if you remember, they, they grew in power, um, you know, in the 90s and the, and the early 2000s. They're the ones who did the whole 9-11 thing. And the way that they gathered their troops together is they said, this is for the next life, right? Do this. This is the right morals. America, they stand for all the wrong morals. They're abusive. They, they would, I mean, they're probably right about a lot of America, but they also would try to paint a picture that all of us are like that, that we do all these bad things, and they're saying, this is for the good of mankind. We need to get rid of this evil, although we believe they're the ones who are evil. And they would say, just for, you know, forego your family. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're probably going to have to kill yourself, but it's for a greater cause. And guess what? When you go to heaven, you will have many virgins there, right? This was their pitch. And, and, and when you actually see Osama bin Laden, they would create these videos and he'd just be in a cave. Really bad lighting, looks super sketchy, and, but for some reason those videos would start to spread. The people who were in that generation were really motivated. They wanted to live something beyond themselves. But ISIS, which Al-Qaeda is no longer powerful compared to ISIS, ISIS went with a whole different approach. And it's an approach of the culture we have today. What ISIS did, they didn't shoot videos in a cave. They shot videos while they were partying. They were show on social media with hashtags, literally, of saying, look at this luxurious life. If you serve us, if you join our team, you don't have to wait for the virgins in heaven. We will give you, to the, we will give you virgins now. You don't have to wait for these glorious riches. You'll get the glorious riches now. And so ISIS grew tremendously. Now, a little caveat, in all of life, 
Denying self really is the answer. So for ISIS, they're saying, no, you'll get everything you need. But what's interesting is once they actually join ISIS, they say, okay, that's not reality. You're stuck here, though. If you leave, we'll kill you. And, and so it's not actually this great life that they were told, but they thought this is what they believed. And I think it's really interesting. They're saying that leaders of ISIS understood the culture. And as a church, we can kind of fall into that temptation as well of saying, okay, we need church to grow. So let me just tell them, come here and you'll get this, 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 and this, and you'll get it now. But what in reality, we need a greater message than that. Let me give you an example. You guys remember the Puritans? Any historians uh, learning about the Puritans? Jeremiah Burroughs, he was a famous pastor, lived 1599 to 1646. And he was a, a famous preacher, and, and he would, this was one of his sermons. And I was thinking, how countercultural is this message to what we are used to hearing today? His main point was that Christ teaches us to walk in self-denial, and it will give us the greatest contentment. That's great. Here were his main points. Point number one, learn that you have nothing in yourself. Aren't, wouldn't you be so pumped coming to church? You're nothing. Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, he said, realize you deserve nothing except hell. That's the second point. I believe that, but how is that? It's not really a mantra we're hearing today and even in the church. Point number three, he says, you need to recognize the quotes, I can do nothing. He quoted John 15, 5, right? Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. He says, we need to recognize we can literally do nothing. And then point number four was shocking to me. And none of these rhyme, so I'm not as much of a fan, you know? But point number four, he says, if we perish, we will be no loss. So how encouraging is that? And that was the end of his sermon. If you perish, you're not really a loss to mankind at all. You are a worthless human being. And yet people got saved in that message. How come? Robert Roberts, he's a cultural analyst. He says this. He says, we've been led to believe that the self is the new God. Just as in earlier time, it was thought never fitting to deny God. So now it seems never right to deny oneself. What we have in the Christian faith, we have desires. God has given us, he's wired us to desire certain things. But what is wrong is when we make those desires supreme and we say, come to Christ and you will get those desires. No, no, no. The Christian message is come to Christ and that is your greatest desire, Christ himself. Deny those desires to run to him. What we know in the Christian faith we're going to look at, desires aren't evil in and of themselves, but since the fall, since mankind has sinned, I think you can agree with this, our desires are disordered. Our desires are chaotic. They're always changing, aren't they? Our desires are controlling. Do you ever feel like you're in a point where I can't do anything until I get what I want? That is a mantra of today. And what's fascinating, as I read that book yesterday, looking at history, we actually haven't always lived that way. Because culture has always usually preached a greater narrative of it's always for the greater needs of the community. But now we're at a point where self is king. And so we have no problem divorcing. We have no problem changing jobs, changing churches on a dime. Because at the end of it all, I need to feel like I am being served. But let me give you an encouragement. What I want to look at the rest of this time is realize those desires when we serve them actually lead to more depression. When we try to serve ourselves, it is the worst thing to do to ourselves. So how do we practice self-denial? First John, open your Bibles now to First John chapter 2. I've been really enjoying, we went through our Christmas series and we walked through the book of First John a little bit. 
And uh, when I was reading it, getting ready for Christmas, I thought, man, God, is there a way I can fit 1 John 2.15? It's just so good. And then I realized, hey, I'll do it today. And, and I think it's really good. Look at verse 15 of John, 1 John chapter 2. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. So he's already pointed to that, the desires of this world, right? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, let me give a caveat here. He's saying love in such devotion that you're with, you do not, if Christ says to give it up, you won't give it up. This doesn't mean we're negative people. We just, oh, I hate the world, okay? That is not the message he's saying, but he's saying, do you love it more than Christ? Then the love of the Father is not in you. Verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions, a lot of translations say the pride of life, which I like that translation more, I'll explain, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Verse 17 is so poignant. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. John lays out there's three categories of our disordered desires. I want to spend the rest of the time, when, when Jesus says, deny yourself, right? Lose your life. He is essentially saying, look at these three desires and you need to forfeit them for the kingdom of God. Okay? So that's what we're to look at. Uh, by the way, it's really interesting. When you look at these three topics, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, if you know in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, right? He actually, if you look at the first temptation, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with the lust of the flesh, if you look at the second temptation, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with the lust of the eyes. You look at the third, there was only three in the wilderness experience with Jesus and the devil. He tries to attempt him with the pride of life. These three categories, I think, kind of broadly define all of the temptations and sins that we go through. Okay? That's why I'm excited about this. Look how it says the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Lust, this word in the Greek, literally means an over-desire. So is the flesh good? Flesh, biblically, it can either refer to the actual body or the sins of the body, right? Lusting, which I guess that's a bad word to use when you're trying to define what lust is and you use lust, but like wanting somebody else, that is called lust. But he says lust means an over-desire. In other words, God gave us certain, des God gave us these desires, but when we desire them more than God himself, that's when our life kind of goes haywire. So in 2019, my encouragement to you is to practice self-denial because self-denial is actually the greatest thing you can do for yourself according to this passage. You guys with me? So I want to look at what are these three different desires and how do they look like in our life and what are we going to do about it? So lesson, uh, uh, lesson number one, yeah, uh, desire number one, lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. So God created our flesh, right? So flesh in and of itself isn't evil, but when we over-desire our flesh, then it is evil. You're thinking, what is the flesh? I'm going to define those things, but this is point number two, sub-point, whatever. This is what a lot of us struggle with. And here, I, I want us to self-reflect and think about 2018 and look into 2019. Some of us, we are hindered in our relationship with Christ. We are not enjoying the pleasures of being in his presence because of this one. Number one, this desire is hedonism. Hedonism believes that pleasure is perfect. You guys ever heard that word before? Hedonism. Hedonism literally means whatever makes me happy, that's what I will do. And that's the culture we're in. We're in a culture, and here's what I have to admit. I have been influenced by this culture. I have made decisions in 2018 thinking, is this what's going to make me the most happy? Instead of thinking, will this make me the most holy? 
Now, it's scary because Puritans kind of went too far and they're like, don't look at flowers because that's pleasing and it's not. No, I think pleasure is good, but it cannot be an over-desire of pleasure to where we want pleasure more than God himself. Hedonism. Is pleasure bad? No, but it's not perfect. Here's three ways we practice hedonism in our culture today. And I want you to think, we're, I'm going to talk about it in a, in a few minutes, but we're going to be fasting again for 21 days. And I want you to think, what are, some, what are things you need to fast from? Maybe it's in this category of hedonism, lust of the flesh. Number one, here's three ways. It's not on your notes, but under hedonism, there's three ways we pursue the flesh. Number one is food and drink. Food and drink. This is why a lot of people, when they fast, they just fast from food and or drink. But by the way, don't just, you need to drink something, apparently, or you'll die. So don't do that. But now, is food and drink bad? No especially canes. I'm in the canes right now. Like, I love it. This, this is so great. A lady, uh, it was like the greatest day of my life. There was a guy when we were at canes. I was with Caleb and Shay and a few other people. And uh, one guy came up to me. He's like, hey, I follow you on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. I'm just trying to play it off all cool. Inside, I was like, hey, followers. Yeah, I don't know this guy. And then another guy came up to me and was like, hey, I saw you on Instagram. I'm like, I'm living the life. And then this sweet old lady came up to me and gave me a $50 gift card to canes. I said, God, I don't know what I did this morning, but Praise Jesus. You are faithful. And I don't even know her name. She didn't even talk to me. She just handed it to me, right? Patted me on the back and walked away. I said, that was an angel <laughs> with the blessings of God in her hand. I just used it two days ago. I love canes, okay? Food and drink, though, they aren't perfect. Here's what I've recognized about myself ever since I stopped playing basketball. Because um, when I work out, I actually don't really, I'm not hungry. It's weird. What I've recognized in my adulting age is, is I am a stress eater. When my life's not going well and when I'm kind of overwhelmed with the stresses of my day or of my life or my children, I immediately just walk to the pantry. Anybody else? And what I hate is my wife has nothing in the pantry for me. <laughs> I think she knows. <laughs> She's like, I, don't, I just won't give them any food instead of telling them to stop eating. So I just go in there. And anybody else, two hours later, you think, okay, surely something just magically appeared in this pantry since five minutes ago when I looked and nothing was good in there. A lot of us are stress eaters, and what we don't recognize is what if in those moments of anxiety and wanting to, to feel fulfillment, instead of running to the pantry, why don't we run to prayer? I know that's cheesy, but it's so true. Like, why don't we say, God, why is my heart so unsettled right now? God, what, what, what word would you have for me? I'm a stress eater, and for me, it gives me a false sense of joy. And so for this 21-day fast, I'm going to explain it now. That way, we're not confused. Uh, we did a fast in October, October 1st to the 21st, and I thought it was a great thing. And I've decided uh, our church is kind of split up into three different seasons, January through April is an interesting season. It's, it's New Year. People are, are, are excited about life, and you have Easter in there, but then you have May through August, which is the summertime, which we're, let's be honest, guys, we're just trying to survive the heat. Amen? It's just like none of y'all are here because we're running away. And then September through December is also kind of the fall season. So, so we're kind of now adjusting our church calendar to those three seasons. So what I decided to do in my time of prayer and don't hate me, but I decided how neat would it be if we became a church that fasted often? It is a principle. When Jesus in the Bible, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. He expects us to fast. So I think, and leading the congregation, I've decided, I, I think that's better than not fasting. 
So in the beginning of every season, we're going to go through a 21-day fast. So in January, January 1st to the 21st, we're going to be doing a 21-day fast. And there's three different ways that you can fast, just like the time before. Number one is one meal a day. Okay, I'm, I'm skipping breakfast or I'm skipping lunch. And during that time, though, don't just sit there and not think about the food. You're, 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 you're actually reading, you're praying, and we're actually helping you a little bit more this time. We learned a little bit from our last 21-day prayer and fast. Here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be giving you a chapter in John a day. There are 21 chapters in the book of John, and we want you at the end of 21 days to read an entire book of the Bible, which is the book of John. Now, on the website, and it'll be on our website, and it'll also be on our Instagram and Facebook, we're not going in order, okay? We're not just doing John 1, John 2, John 3, okay? Why? Because I'm going to be preaching the next three weeks in the book of John, and it, we thought it would be helpful for you to read these chapters that we're going to be looking at on Sunday, okay? So on, on January 6th is our first message, and it's on John chapter 16. So we're going to be having you reading 14, 15, 16 right before Sunday. Got it? So we want you to get your mind and heart into this word and recognize when I preach, you're like, oh, I've already read that. I kind of get the overall context of what you're talking about. So beyond that, here's another thing we're doing that I think is going to be really good. On Instagram... I, in October, right, we did live, right? Tune in at noon. Here's, here's what I think is better. We're going to be uploading five videos a day all in one post. The first video will be someone from our team explaining the passage real quick to you and explaining the, the theme of our prayer for the day, okay? So John chapter one talks about how Jesus is full of grace and truth. So on January 1st, we're gonna ask you guys to read John chapter one. And in the video, we're gonna give context real quick. Here's what John one's about. And then we're gonna say, here's the main theme. Look at verse I don't know what verse. I'm a terrible heathen. 14, 18, I don't know. It says Jesus is full of grace and truth. And we're talking about, we want you to pray how you will experience Jesus in a greater way that he is full of grace in your life and full of truth in your life. Got it? We're going to explain what that means. And then you're going to swipe over on Instagram and it's going to be a one minute video that just says, pray this for yourself. So the music's going to be playing. So here's our idea. You're going to swipe, you're going to listen to the music. And while that music's going, you're going to be praying, God, I want grace and truth over my life. I want to experience you. I, I need your grace. Here's the areas of my life that I need your grace. I've been too hard on myself, but also truth. Here's why I need to repent. You got it? Now, swipe over on Instagram. Now you pray that for your family. Or if you don't have family, close loved ones, where, God, I pray that my wife will experience grace and truth this week. Got it? Then you're going to swipe over again. And it's going to be another one minute long video. And it says, pray this for your church and pray that our church as a whole would experience God's loving grace and truth. You're going to swipe over one more time and it's going to say, pray this for the world. So I, I'm saying, pray this for the lost. People you know that don't yet know King Jesus, pray that they would experience his grace and truth today. Got it? That'll be every day in the morning we're to upload those five videos. One explaining the passage of the day that you're going to be reading. So read the passage, pray through it, and that means you can pray four minutes a day, four minutes at a time. Okay, I'm going to do this for myself for one minute, do it at lunch, do it at whatever, and we think, does that make sense? We're, we, we want to help you as much as we can, okay? So what that means is there's three different ways for us that we'll be fasting. Number one is we will be praying uh, one way we'll be fasting is food and drink, one meal a day and or two meals a day. So for me, I'm going to be doing two meals a day. I will not be eating breakfast and lunch, and I'm going to spend 
some of that time really focusing on prayer and reading. But also the third one is get creative. Are you watching too much TV? Turn that off and instead of watching TV, read your Bible and pray. Are you, uh, are you honestly, even for some people, are you hanging out with the wrong people? How about for the next 21 days? You don't hang out with that negative influence and instead you spend that time. Whatever, some people, social media, although good luck because on social media we're giving you those videos so I hope you figure out a way. Um, but that's, that's the theme. That's what we're going to be doing. What can you give up? Because we believe food and drink are good, but Jesus is so much better. Amen? So the second thing, there's three ways we pursue the flesh. The second way is rest and leisure. Rest and leisure. So is rest and leisure bad? No. However, some of us, we just want so much, but we just think my life will get better if I get rest this weekend. My life will get better if I go on this vacation. Those are lies from the enemy. All the enemy is trying to do to you is to keep you away from the church, keep you away from the word of God, and keep pursuing the things of this world, but you will continue to feel this false sense of joy. The last thing is physical intimacy. Um, I'm just, I don't know, I'm raised a Baptist, so I'm scared to say the S word, but physical intimacy. Some of us think, oh, this is what will make me happy. If I have more of this, and, and mainly what that means is the devil loves for you to pursue that outside of the context of marriage. If there's things that you're looking at online, decide, you know what? I've been struggling with this. I am not going to be around online. I'm not going to watch any videos. I'm going to stay pure for 21 days. I'm ask God, God, would you heal this from me? You know what's so cool? I was reading the Gospels the other day, and the disciples couldn't cast out this demon, and they're like, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus said, some cannot be casted out but through prayer and fasting. Maybe you've been dealing with the enemy, and you have been trying to get free fasting may be the thing that sets you free from those chains. I believe that. So the over-desire of joy will rob, the over-desire of pleasure will rob you of joy. Jesus is better than hedonism. Okay, I need to keep moving on though. So now that's the lust of the flesh. Let's look at lust of the eyes. Now God created our eyes to see. God created our eyes to look up at the horizons, to see the future. Those are all good things. But when we over-desire those things and think, oh, that thing or that person will give me joy, then you will actually wind up being full of depression. This is number two. Guys, number one and three totally made sense. And so I had to go with an H in an ism. But I think this one works, okay? Give me grace. Number two, some of us, we struggle with hypnotism, okay? Here's what I mean by that, that possessions are perfect. Some of us are hypnotized by the marketing, the media today. I sound like such an old man of like, that social media, right? But it's true. We are hypnotized. We are told every day, you need this item. You need these things or else your life isn't complete. There's a documentary on YouTube that looks at the last 100 years of marketing and how much it's drastically changed. And it's really, honestly, their goal has been, and they've been very successful in hypnotizing us to believe that it's never enough, that we will never find satisfaction, and you always need the next thing. And we know that to be a reality. I've kind of defined how we're less the eyes. I define it for our culture. There's two ways we fall into this, beauty and belongings. I think we're hypnotized by beauty and belongings. Number one, beauty. Beauty is good, but it's not perfect. Some of us, we're, we're, think, we're hypnotized. I need to find the perfect, beautiful one. No. Okay, you're never going to get married. Your, your standards are way too high, right? Or some of us, we think, I just need to be beautiful, right? And if I, if I finally achieve, let me just encourage you, it'll never be enough, right? Now, are some things good to do? Of course. Or can you, should you strive towards beauty? Okay. 
But if it becomes an over-desire to where my life only has significance if I look like that person, then you, you have to be living a life of anxiety and depression and you're just anxious all the time. That's not how God wired you to live. Belongings. This one I struggle with because I always want the next camera, the next drone, the next whatever, and I think, oh, I'm going to make it. So this, I have to admit to you, I been really thinking this one through. We're in the middle of moving, so I'm in the middle of just saying, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And I'm like, oh, but I want it. And my wife's like, no, you don't. And so I just, we've been purging these things. But belongings are pleasant, but they're not perfect. Because here's the problem with belongings. You always want more. How was your Christmas, right? Remember the thing I got for Christmas? I thought, well, it would have been nice if I got another thing, right? Or I, oh, now that I got these nice shoes that Shay got me, now I need a better jeans with it, which means I need to get a better shirt with it, which means I need a haircut. You know, it's like all these things. It's, you always want more. And what's interesting about hypnotism, being hypnotized or like seeing a mirage on the horizon, you get there and then a new horizon starts and a new temptation comes. So think about this in your life for self-denial. Am I over-desiring beauty and belongings? Because I promise you, it will rob you of contentment. You cannot be content if you're focusing on beauty and belongings. Now, what, what does this mean? Some of us, we need to fast from certain accounts. We need to unfollow certain things. Um, some of us also, a, a positive, let's talk positive this morning. I think some of us need to be a fast by f- intentionally uh, being generous. So the opposite of wanting belongings is giving things away. Are you giving to the Lord? Are you giving to others? That is a great way to cure that, saying, God, I I want those things, but instead I'm going to give that thing to someone else. Jesus is better than the hypnotism of this age. Now this next one, and I'll be done, is the pride of life. I find it really interesting that the CSB, which I love this translation, it says pride of one's possessions. I actually think it's a misinterpretation uh, because this word that they're uh, interpreting here is bios, which in the Greek, there's two ways to say life. Number one is zoe, and number two is bios. So I don't know why they decided to go with the possessions route. Mainly every other translation I've read looks at life. Um, And so here's what I I think the core of it is. I think the CSB writers would agree with it as well. Number three, humanism. We believe the lie that people are perfect. Mainly you are perfect, right? Because we know people are messed up. But when I say people are perfect, you're thinking I'm perfect, right? I know the right way. I'm smart. I know what's right and wrong. And this is how a lot of us, my prayer for our church family is that as we, as we approach 2019 and as we approach fasting, we say, God, would you reveal truth in your word that I have been refusing to listen to? When we come to the Bible, are we thinking, okay, God, what I need an, I, all I need from you is encouragement. And if there's something I don't agree with, I'm going to glance over it. If you come to the Bible and you don't agree with everything, and, and you still don't do it, because to me, sometimes I don't agree with it, but I'm like, but he's right, he's God, I'm not, so I have to do it, then you're not actually serving God, you're serving yourself. You should encounter the Bible and be kind of annoyed, right? Because we're the flesh, we have disordered desires. And so humanism is this idea, and it's very prevalent in our culture today, that we know what's best. Men are, are the cream of the crop. We we are inevitably going to be getting better. We know what's right for us, and I'm not going to follow an institution. I'm not going to listen to a church. They don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. How is that working out for you? That leads to anxiety and depression. So how do we, as 
as people, and I believe we're all tempted to all three of these things. Um, aren't you glad you came today? It's like, yeah, kill yourself, right? But for humanism, here's what a lot of us do, and here's what I want to encourage you with. Number one, I think some of us were tempted. We, we have the thirst for applause. Some of us, we want to be known and recognized. I tell you today, that is something I struggle with consistently. I mean, come on. I upload videos about my life on YouTube like three times a week. I'm clearly obsessed with myself. It's very bad, okay? Just kidding. There's a greater purpose to it. I think it's good, but it can get bad. Um, some of us, we are craving to be known because we think if people just know how great I am. That's false, and it will lead to depression and discouragement, and you will constantly, oh, you're just going to be full of anxiety. Number two, the thirst for power. Some of us, we just want to be in charge. We want it to be done my way and my time. Friends, let me tell you, there's certain relationships you have and you haven't been surrendering. You've been trying. So many marriages don't work because of this. You want to be the ones powerful. Give that up. Surrender yourself during this fast and recognize that God is so much better. The last one that I put, I think a lot of us, when it comes to the pride of life, we want applause, we want power, but also we want control. Nobody crosses me, right? You don't do that to me and get away from it. You, you, I, nobody hurts me that way. This is what a lot of us struggle with. And I put it this way. I think for us, the over-desire of prominence will rob you of peace. The over-desire of prominence will rob you of peace. Tim Keller put it this way. The way to power is to give it away. The way to real riches is to give money away. The way to real influence is not to seek influence. I love that. So for us, as we're practicing this fast for 21 days, trying to align our hearts back to God, my question to you is practice humility. Instead of thirsting for applause, who can you give recognition to? Instead of running for power, who can you in your life, who can you empower who can you say, you know what? You are clearly better at this. I want to encourage you to jump into this position. Instead of thirsting for control, who can you learn from? Who can you say, you know what? Maybe your criticism was right. I need to ask you, why are you criticizing me? Why, what was so wrong about what I did? And learn from them. Jesus is better than hedonism. Jesus is better than hypnotism. And Jesus is better than humanism. He's the greater human that we could never be. Let's run back to John chapter 12 and then I'll be done. My prayer is that this is really starting to resonate in your heart and that we are really serious about denying ourselves. Um, because of time, let's look at summarizing. Um, he says, you know, um, verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Then he talks about how it's time for him to glorify the Father's name, which he's alluding to his death. Verse 30, Jesus responded, This voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. 32 and 33 are my point right here. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Now, I read this passage my whole life, and if I just read verse 32, I would think when he says, when, if I am lifted up, I thought it meant one of two things, either his resurrection or his ascension, back to, or even the second coming, any of those three. But read verse 33, he said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. He is saying, when I am lifted up on the cross is when I will draw all people to myself. 
That doesn't make sense in our culture today because our culture is about power and winning. But Jesus is saying the power comes through denying and dying. I love this. This good news contradicts the flesh. And he says, I will draw all people to myself. I study that word in the Greek again. And it says to powerfully attract, to be like magnetic. He's saying, when I'm lifted up, I will draw people. It's like you're almost fighting against it, but the magnet is too powerful and you keep coming toward the cross. For the Christian, Jonathan Edward puts it this way, for the Christian, the cross is beautiful. For the Christian, here's what we have to recognize about the cross. The cross is not just that Jesus died for you, which is beautiful, that draws us, that he was so loving and we were so insufficient, but also why the cross is so beautiful to us, it gives us the greatest hope because the cross is not just meant for you, for Jesus to die for you, but the cross is also meant for you to die with him. The Christian life is one of self-denial, and when we see the cross, we say, God, I am also called to pick up my own cross and die with you every day of my life. For the Christian, the cross is beautiful. For the imposter, the non-Christian, the one who is a nominal Christian, the cross is useful. Here's my last point, and I hope this makes sense and we'll be done. Um, music can even start coming up. Self-discovery drives us to Christ for our gain. But self-denial draws us to Christ for his glory. What do I mean by that? Self-discovery, guys, there is a way to come to church and to engage in these practices and say all the right things and even try to fast. But you're doing it because you're driven by hedonism, hypnotism, or humanism. Meaning, okay, God, if I follow you, this is the message I hear. If I just follow you, then I will get my over-desire. Then I will get the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But notice when he says, he doesn't say he will drive you to the cross. Driven, what I mean by that is an ulterior motive. Yes, Christ, I will use you in order to get my greatest desire. He says, I will draw you to the cross, meaning Jesus himself is what's beautiful to you. And when you come to him, you deny yourself because you want him more than you want the desires of this world. So my prayer for us as we enter this 21-day fast is that our hearts, we'd say, God, I mean, I had to admit this sweet God, I have been coming to you in order to get pleasure. And I repent of that. I've been coming to you in order to get possessions. And I repent of that. I've been coming to you in order to feel the pride of my life. And I repent of that. I don't want to be driven to the cross, meaning, yes, I can use you so I can get what I really want. My prayer during this fast is that we would strip away these desires and that we would focus on him and say, God, I want to be drawn to you.